Welcome to ArchiBiz Unpacks, a podcast for architecture firm owners and leaders who are looking to grow their impact, lead a profitable business, and learn a thing or two in the process. Hi, I'm Beck Kempster, CEO of ArchiBiz and your host of ArchiBiz Unpacks. In case you haven't heard of ArchiBiz, we provide architects like you with practical business advice and education through online courses and programs, workshops and business coaching and mentoring. Each episode, we sit down with an expert in the architecture industry to bring you simple, actionable insights and strategies to help you lead your practice. Now, let's dig into today's episode. So at Archibiz, we have been focusing very much in the last couple of months on systems, and that's come about from identifying our three steps to achieving sustainable success, uh, which some of you may have heard about. For those that haven't, the three steps are one, to specialise, two, to scale, and then three, uh, sorry, two, to systemize, and then three, to scale. And we find we have a lot of architects coming to us um, identifying that that systemization piece hasn't been done and they've moved on to scale without having their systems in place, which is why today um, we're very pleased to invite systems guru David Jennings to uh, speak to us about systemization. Uh, so David is a seasoned CEO, entrepreneur uh, and author of the book and program Systemology. Welcome, David. Here we go. Thanks for having me. Um, So if you would like to ask any questions, please just jump into the chat and ask away. uh, And then we'll uh, direct, I'll ask your question to David when the time is um, relevant. Um, But I would like to begin with a few of my own questions. uh, And I think we should start right off the bat, David, with a definition of what business systems are. Mm. So for me, the way that I think about it, because there are so many different terms. People talk about SOPs and processes and procedures and standard operating procedures. And even when you say the word systems, does he mean software systems or like I try and simplify all of that language when I'm talking about systems, it's just a series of steps that when followed create a consistent outcome. So it's a system is just about identifying what is the steps that are followed and when you follow them, it produces a consistent outcome. And I, what I like about that definition is it works at the smallest level. So a system for how do we issue an invoice out of zero and what's the step-by-step on how that's done, but also works at a high level as well. Like how do we manage um, an architectural project where you might have key milestones and how you would engage with the client and what work needs to be done. So that that um, definition works quite well. Lovely. A nice, simple definition. We love it. Um, And what improvements have you seen from business uh, systemization? What are the benefits? Look, uh, it'll depend heavily on the business and what sort of challenges that they're having. I think um, systems improve a lot of things. They, They create a lot of space for business owners and their team as well to do their best work. When you get good systems in place, The things that just need to happen, happen. Uh, So that means, let's say, the architect can then do their best work where, you know, we might, here's all of the data that we need to set up the project and get it into the right CAD platform and set it up in the project management platform and make sure we've sent out the questionnaires and we've issued the invoice. Like all of that stuff just gets handled 
which then means the architect can sit there and think, I don't have to worry about all of that stuff. I know it's handled. I can just focus now on being creative. So definitely systems help to make teams more creative. Um, They reduce stress because a lot of the things just get uh, handled uh, and and it becomes part of the way that you do work, makes business more profitable, more efficient, reduces errors, helps your business start to scale, makes your business more valuable should you consider exiting. And like that's one of uh, the key components that a potential acquirer is going to look for to make sure that this business functions without key person dependency. Um, there's, there's real truckloads of benefits. And I think um, uh, like a lot of people might even have their own. Like I'd love to know uh, in the chat, I don't know if you want to type in like what, there's a reason you guys showed up today. Like, can you type into the chat what it is that you think business systems would do for you? Like if you can type that into the chat while Beck asks her next question. Yeah, I want to touch on something that you mentioned there. And that was that, um, business systems allow you to be creative or to free up time to be creative. Um, how, you know, I'm kind of interested in exploring that a little bit more because I guess there is this fear that business systems can remove creativity. Mm. So can you expand on that a little bit more about how they aid in creativity? So one of the companies that I used to own was a, a videography business. So I had a, um, a digital agency that I ran for about 13 years and we're getting a lot of requests for uh, video work. And I, I, I'm not a video guy. Like I don't know how to hop on the camera or edit in premiere or anything like that, but I saw it as the opportunity because the clients were asking. So we set up this, this sub business called Melbourne video production. And, uh, the first time I went out on a shoot with our videographer for that, I hopped in the car and we spent the entire drive uh, him and I, uh, he was asking me questions like, oh, did we bring that spare battery? Did we send the email to the client to let them know not to wear checkered shirts because that looks really bad on camera? Oh, did we bring the extra lens? I hope we bought the slider. Oh, like all of the stuff that we talked about in the car for about 45 minutes was all of this stuff that just should have been taken care of beforehand. So straight after that shoot, we went back and we created a, a pre-shoot checklist and things that had to get sent to the client and how we would check the kit and all those things. And we got that in place. Now, I I didn't go out uh, for a shoot uh, for about another, um, oh, it would have been a good few months. And I remember then when I went out on the next shoot, um, it was a completely different experience. I I went with the same videographer and we spent the entire time in the car talking about, um, oh, I wonder what shots I'm going to get. Here's what I want the person to say or what I want to get them to convey. I wonder what, you know, how am I going to really get the best performance from them? Oh, I hope the lighting, like he was thinking about all of the creative stuff rather than, did I pack the spare battery? Like, so, so there's a, definitely a misconception that systems can and remove creativity. And part of that is a lot of the baggage that a lot of people have around systems. They think of systems like, you know, when I say, think of a system or a systemized business, a lot of people think of McDonald's or a franchise company. And when they think of McDonald's, what do they think about? They think about um, 15 year old kids who are getting trained how to flip hamburgers and McDonald's has hamburger university. And they have a system for everything that tells you, here's how to, you know, fry a burger for 15 seconds on this side before you flip it. And it's so painstaking 
detail and painful that it it bleeds any of the creativity out of how to make a hamburger and so people just make the assumption oh well that's a system that is therefore going to remove the creativity of my business but what a lot of people forget is mcdonald's been systemizing for 60 years and you're looking at the product of 60 years of them hardcore and their objective they're running a hamburger business with the idea of getting 15 year old kids, but you're not running a hamburger business. So don't systemize like McDonald's. You're running an architectural business where you want to have creative uh, creativity. You want to hire smart people. You want to give them the space to think. Uh, so you, you, there's a real fine line about how you create these systems to what level of detail do you go into um, and we can kind of explore some of those ideas, but there's, there's a very long answer to a very short question. <laughs> Thank you. There's some great uh, comments that we've got in there about why people have joined the call today. Do you want to jump in and talk about some of those? Yeah, so we can see streamlining process, uh, reducing time spent doing stuff. I mean, in all business, there is stuff, and that that's just part of the admin of doing business, so it has to get done. So I'm trying to make that as efficient as possible makes sense. Uh, empowering less uh, experienced staff, 100%. Like when a new team member comes on board, the way that you should be thinking about your business is every business is a school and you want to be able to train these juniors up or these new recruits and get them as productive in the least amount of time. And to do that, you need to think of yourself as a school and really the systems and the processes and the training that you develop is effectively the syllabus uh, and, and the lessons for training those team members, uh, improving efficiency for everyday things. Uh, and then there's a question around um, who creates the systems. Uh, we can jump into that one. It's, it's um, again, this might be a, a long answer for a short question. So I'll, I'll let you drive back if you want me to jump into that one. Yeah, sure. So you just touched on something there about the school and the syllabus. Um, I really like that analogy. The syllabus, does that mean you need something like a, a practice handbook or something that you give like a I know we used to have one at an agency I worked for it was like a bible where you kind of collated all these processes that you know new employees could access when they came on board so they knew how you did things a certain way yeah look you you would work towards that depending on where everybody's up to now the the thing I'm always conscious of I don't want to um scare someone off when you start thinking about systemizing your business and a handbook and now you're thinking oh wow there's hundreds of systems I need to be creating and before you know it you know you've you've reached this level of overwhelm uh definitely the 80 20 rule applies here there's probably 20 percent of systems that deliver 80 percent of the result in your business so identifying those 20 percent and going to work on those first and then Yes, having a way of communicating that with the team um, when they come on board, having a central location. So oftentimes when people first start systems, they're everywhere. They're in a Dropbox. They're in a Google Drive. They're sitting in someone's folder on a desktop. They're in Word Docs. They're in Google Docs. Like they're just one big mess, which means no one can really find it. So having a, a central location for all of that knowledge of this is how we do things here. Yeah, definitely gets a, a big win. Right. And how do you identify that 20%? Like when people are going away and starting to think about this, what, yeah. what should they be looking for? First thing that I, I think about, um, yeah, there's probably two ways I can approach this. The, the first one is, um, 
where, let's say you're a business owner, there, there are certain things that need to happen in your business, right? So your business is a system and it's a, got a collection of uh, subsystems that sit underneath that. And there might be things you as a business owner or an architect that you like, and there might be things that you don't. So maybe you like doing the architectural work, but maybe you're rubbish at the sales or the follow-up or collecting some of the money or onboarding the client into the new project. And your business needs all of these pieces to be working. And sometimes what happens is like, uh, a business owner, they might be particularly strong in one thing, but they know they don't like the other thing. So let's say they're out there selling to a client and they might self-sabotage themselves by saying, oh, I kind of, you know, I've already full at the moment. I'm not going to be able to work with this client for another three months. And even if I took them on board now, it's going to be painful for me because then I've got to onboard them. I've got to issue out invoices and I don't like doing all this stuff anyway. So they end up pushing the client away. And they start to sabotage the business, whether consciously or subconsciously, because they think taking on a client equals more pain. So, so where do you start? Sometimes the easiest way to do it is think about go to where the pain is and go, I avoid issuing out proposals. Okay, well, let's create a system around how you generate a proposal. So that's definitely one idea. Um, the other one... Um, a nice little plug here. Um, the first step in systemology is to define what we call the critical client flow. I don't know if that's going to pick up on the screen or not. It's probably pretty bad because of the lightning, lighting. Anyway, the, the idea being, you, you don't even need to get the book to get this. Like you just need a bit of paper. So we can go through it now very quickly. You get a, an A4 bit of paper in the top left-hand corner, type your target client. Underneath that, type what is the primary product or service that you sell to that target client? Just pick one, one target audience, one primary product, and then identify the linear journey that the business and the client goes through to win that work and deliver it. So you start off, how do you grab the attention of that target audience? How do you handle the inquiry once it comes in? How do you qualify them to see if they're a good fit? How do you sell them? How do you issue out a proposal? How do you onboard them? How do you deliver your core product or service? And then how do you get them to come back? Do it on an A4 bit of paper. Do it with only a couple of words to describe each step. Don't over detail this. And then only capture what you're currently doing, not what you would like to be doing. Do that on a bit of paper first and just doing that gives you a great place to start because if you systemize how the business makes money on a core product or service, that, I mean, that's the lifeblood of business is, is delivering consistently through to clients and making money. And if you can make that happen without key person dependency, then that's a huge win for the business and it creates cash flow, is potentially more scalable. And then you can solve just about any other problem in business once you've got cash flow. Like cash flow helps to solve a lot, a lot of problems. So starting on how do we systemize the uh, the delivery and, and the making of that cash flow without key person dependency, we'll get a, a tremendous win. Um, and just while people think a little bit about that, we can probably actually maybe that's 
uh, the next question to roll into really is Ray's question, who creates the systems? Because I think once you identify, I mean, step number one in systemology is um, identify the top 10 to 15 systems that deliver the bulk of the result for the business. Like it's the 80-20. That's where we start. That's how we narrow the focus. Uh, Once you've done that, step number two uh, is we actually think about where in the business does that knowledge reside? The sooner you can take the business owner out of the equation, the better. The business owner is typically very busy and the business owner, uh, if they get too heavily involved in this process, they're going to want to optimize it and improve it. They won't capture what you're currently doing. They'll capture what they would like to be doing. Oh, I heard about this fancy new CRM platform. If we're going to create a new system, let's design a system that already includes this. And then before you know it, the whole exercise gets blown out of proportion and you're trying to invent things and imagine how this is going to work and the scope blows out significantly. But if you start by this idea of capture what you're currently doing, not what you would like to be doing, you'll get tremendous wins in your business by just bringing everybody up to a great standard. So maybe there's um, Sam who works in admin and he sits on your front desk and he's great on the phone. And you've identified that as a step. Well, let's capture what Sam is doing. It might not be the best, but if everybody could do it as good as Sam, then that would be a huge win. Or maybe there's your sales. Like you you identify who's currently doing it really, really well. And then you just capture what they're doing. And and the real secret to creating systems, which everybody misses, is it's a two-person job. You've got the knowledgeable worker, and then you've got the person who does the documentation. So all knowledgeable workers, business owners, department heads, great team members, they're all really, really busy. So if you go to them and you say, hey, can you document your system and your process? They'll say, yeah, I'd love to. I just don't have any time. Like it's important, but it's not urgent. I've got a hundred other things that are going to come before I do that. So to create a system, you have to make it easy on the knowledgeable person. And you do that by making it a two-person job, the person with the knowledge, and then you've got someone who does the documentation. You might record Sam on the phone when he next has that phone call and you put an iPhone next to him and you just record the conversation happening. And then the knowledgeable worker goes away and listens to that recording and goes, oh, I can see the steps that Sam's going through here. And then they might feed it back to Sam. Because everybody loves to edit. No one likes to write something from scratch. So if you send it back to the knowledgeable worker and you say, here are the five steps that I noticed what you did, they'll give you feedback. But if you went to Sam and said, Sam, can you write the five steps? He would never get around to it. So that's like, there was a few things there. Identifying who already has the knowledge. That's step number two in systemology. Step number three is the, what we call extraction which is making it easy. It's a two-person job. You develop what we call a system for creating systems. Um, Yeah, there's probably a little bit there. Yeah, absolutely. And I know I'm conscious that we do have a couple of people in here that are solo practices um, where it it is one person. What should they do in that case? Yeah. We just don't want to over-engineer something here. If you're solo, there's no point in you creating some epic step-by-step screenshot, amazing video 
super detailed process for the way that you issue out an invoice when you're the only one doing it and you're probably going to be the only foreseeable person doing it for the next six to 12 months. Like there's no leverage there. So in the early days when you're getting started, it's you want to take on a systems mindset. But what I would be doing is I just record yourself doing it and think about how and where you're cataloging this. So imagine having you know, a series of folders and each folder is a department. And let's say for finance, you have a finance folder. And then underneath that, you say invoicing. And then you record the next three times that you do an invoice and you put that video in that folder. And that's it. You forget about it. Do that to all of the parts of your business. And then as you start to grow, at some point, you might get an admin assistant on board. And their first task is watch these videos and create the checklist out of it. Right. And that's kind of like how you start that process. Yeah, right. So you can start it now, even if you don't have the team to necessarily support you or the, or the need for it. The, the, as your business grows, um, it gets harder and harder to insert systems thinking back into a business because all of the resistance you're going to get to this new way of doing things comes from your existing staff. We already, we do it this way. Why do we have to change? Like our business has been working fine up until now. Why, why do we now have to document what we're doing and follow this process? So all of that resistance is going to come from your existing staff. So Ben, who's got a team of 40 to try and if he hasn't already inserted systems thinking into his business, it will get, it's, it, it, it's only going to get harder for him the larger the team grows. So installing the systems thinking early and getting the team thinking this type of thing, like rather than going to you for the answer, like, oh, I need to know where this is. What most small businesses do is they train their staff to come and ask me when you've got a question, when really the first step is to train them, go have a look at where our systems are stored try and find the solution in there. If you don't find the solution, then then come to me. Like that small change right there has a huge ripple impact. Like when you're a 40, 50, 60 person agency or whatever, and you've started to now train all of your staff to first go to your systems folder first before they come to you. you imagine, you know, it... it you're just saving all of that little bit of time, 60 people coming to ask you, where's this thing? How do we do this? What do we do there? Like that, you're kind of setting it all uh, up, up front and creating that culture for, and if someone goes to the systems folder and they can't find it, the first thing that you do is, is you, you might show the team member how to do it, but you record yourself doing that. And that becomes a video that then goes into this catalog. And then the aim of the game is, is to basically reduce the team member's dependency on a, a particular team member or, or, yeah, make them more self-sufficient. Yeah, great. I want to, Dave, just pull into something that you flagged there around resistance by team members. If you do encounter resistance from team members, how do you go about overcoming that and onboarding them to this idea of uh, a systemization mindset? Yeah. The, the best thing that you can do is you need to, position this change so it's a benefit for your team like this is not hey i'm the business owner 
I want to systemize so I can go away and have a fantastic holiday and build up a huge amount of value for the business and have large amounts of money deposited into my bank account with little or no work on my behalf. Like that's, that's not going to get them excited. So you, you think about how, what is the benefit to the team member for them systemizing? You say to them things like, you know, when you go away on holiday and you take one week off and I'm texting you and I'm saying, Oh, can you send this email? How did you go for that? And then when you come back from holiday, you've got, 300 emails sitting in your inbox none of your projects have moved forward and then you spend the next four weeks catching up for the one week that you had off well what I want to do is by getting some systems and processes we can have other team members step in and take over your work and mean that things progress when you're not around and you can have a restful holiday you can disconnect and when you come back you'll hit the ground running or you can say hey, you know, the world is changing and there's a chance that you might get COVID or a family member might get COVID and you need time off. And I don't want to be putting pressure on you to get your work done when you just want to lie in a bed and recuperate. So we have to systemize to make sure that team members can have that break or, and it depends on every team member. You have to find what connects for them. Maybe it's hey, you want to move up in our organization? The way that you move up in your organization or our organization is to systemize what you're doing, pass it down to junior team members, and then that elevates you up because now you're more valuable to the business because you're getting these lower level tasks off to team members. So, I mean, this is a little bit of, you know, change management type stuff. It'll depend on the individual. Some people will just get it some people will be resistant to change. And all of that resistance happens up front with your existing staff. It actually gets easier as you go because when you build up your systems and your process and this is how we do it here, all new team members, that's all they ever know. This is just how we do things here. All of the challenges you're going to have is just with the existing team. So you have to think about you know, how you're going to approach it with them. Love it. There's some great strategies in there for managing resistance. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I did also want to ask you, where do business owners go wrong in implementing systems into their business? There's a lot of things that they'll do wrong. Um, Firstly, uh, trying to document too much uh, and over-engineering. And as I said, that whole 80-20 thing trying to do it themselves and thinking they need to be the ones that document, trying to think that it needs to be perfect or that you need to systemize like McDonald's right out of the gate when McDonald's has been doing it for 60 years and you're just getting started and you're thinking I need to systemize like them. That'd be like trying to compete in the Olympics against an elite athlete who's been training their whole life and performing at an elite level And here I am, the couch potato who hasn't got off the couch and I'm trying to, I'm going to start training like this Olympic athlete. Like it's it's just not going to happen. Um, So you have to think about where you are and what those steps are going to look like. Um, uh, Not positioning this change for the benefit for the team and, and making it about them. So there's, I mean, some of these things were kind of already touched on and and built in to where people go wrong. I think another one they do is 
they abandon it too early because oftentimes the business owner is a creative thinker and they'll think because I'm a creative thinker, you know, systems wouldn't work for me. I don't follow process. Um, and you know, my, my team's not going to follow the process. Uh, and, and, you know, maybe they try and, you know, they get all excited. They attend this webinar and they say, I'm going to systemize my business. And then they go back to their team and they say, let's do this. And then in three weeks time, they forget about it. Someone did one system and it didn't change their world. And they just go, this systems thing doesn't work. We're different. Our business is different. Uh, we can't be systemized. So I think definitely understanding how much work is involved here, how long you have to commit to it and fully lean into it. And understanding just because you might not be a systemized person doesn't mean that you can't own a systems driven business. Like, um, a big thing that needs to happen for business owners, like, cause me, I, I don't like writing systems and processes. This is like the, the dirty little secret of systemology. Um, I, I don't like writing systems and processes. I don't, I don't like taking the screenshots. I don't like doing all of the bullet points. I don't like that. That just doesn't get me going. Like, like I'm a creative thinker. That's, that's where my brain is at. Um, what I fell in love with, with systems is the result that it gives. So I've seen a business that operates with no systems and I've seen a business that operates with systems and it's a night and day difference. And now, like I can't imagine a business that doesn't run that way with systems now. So because I'm not very strong with systems, it means that I've had to surround myself with people who are strong with systems. You, you find the operations manager who is a systems driven person. And they become the yin to my yang. We, we recruit team members looking for certain characteristics. I want attention to detail. I want someone who is naturally organized. I want someone who, who just does this stuff. Like that's, and, and I look for them right up front now. Like I said, it gets easier with new team members. It's always more challenging with the past team members. So anyway, just a few ideas. Oh, I'm really glad you shared that because I, I imagine that that tension that exists between, you know, I guess what's ultimately left brain and right brain um, would would be something for the architects who are who are listening here today. You know, if you're creative by nature, how do you go about doing putting all those systems in yourself? So um, there's something else that I want to touch on there. How does systemization help empower less experienced staff? When anyone's getting started, you know what it's like when you're starting something new and you're a new team member, um, you want to do well, right? You want to perform and, and you also don't want to appear like you don't know something. Like you might've learned something and then you feel like I should know that. And then you might not ask a silly question because you don't want to look silly. But if you have somewhere that you can go, let's say you've been taught how to do something and now I can go have a look at that thing and I can do it, you know, in my own time. And now, now I'm more likely to try and solve my own problem and I'm training the right habits. Um, I'm, uh, I'm giving them space to do that. I mean, it kind of goes without saying that, um, you know, if your business is a school and your team are students, um, we, we need to think about how they're training like how do you take a student from I don't know much to mastery? Like there's a journey that they have to go through. And yes, they can just sit 
at the hand of the master for the whole time and get schooled by them. And that's great. It's also not very scalable. It also requires, you know, a lot of time from that master to sit right next to them, which is then time that that master is taking away from doing their work and being productive. So you're much better off thinking about systems like this. They, they take someone 80% of the way there. And then the master only has to give them 20% now because the, the student already has picked up and then the master only gives the final few tweaks. So you get a hundred percent solution by the master only having to give 20% because we've bottled the other 80%, if that makes sense. Excellent. I've got a final question for you, Dave. Um, How do we avoid system withering? Um, Can you uh, re-articulate that question? Well, how do we, once we get these systems in place, how do we avoid having them fall apart or, you know, not get practiced or it'll just kind of, you know, someone leaves the practice who's been kind of instrumental in this and then it all just sort of falls apart. So there's a few things. One, you actually, the the biggest missing piece in all of this is building a systems culture. Like you when you know you have a systems culture is when the team goes, this is how we do things here. Once you reach that point, that's when you know that you've you've made it. Um, but part of it is the way that you recruit the right people, the way that you onboard the right people, the way that you train the team that if ever something goes wrong in the business, it's never someone's fault. It's always the system's fault. So if something breaks, we need to train the team to go back to the system and go, oh, that didn't work. Step number three is not working. Okay, let's add in an extra bullet point here. It's only the team member's fault when they didn't follow the system and the process that was there. Now, if there's no system or process identified, you can't really get angry at a team member because they didn't know what they should be doing and you didn't tell them in the first place. So there are, I mean, there's a lot of moving parts to make this happen. Part of it is this level of accountability. And when tasks are assigned to an individual, like this is more of a, project management type question in your business do you have a clear who is doing what by when and if you're assigning tasks let's say you're using a project management platform the point at which you assign the task is actually the point at which it's best to share the system because then there's no confusion it was your job to issue out this invoice and it was assigned to you and there's a system here that shows you how it's done that like that now we're really locking in the team members and getting very clear accountability. So, I mean, there's uh, a bit to that question. I, I'm not one to go, let's review every system annually at the start of every year, just to make sure that they're all up to date. And, you know, that that's a common way that, you know, ISO certification and people who head down that route do. But oftentimes what they're doing is they're just creating systems for system's sake to tick a box to say, I'm ISO accredited. So now I can go for this big tender because I needed to be ISO accredited to, to put my project plan in for this one. They're not actually systemizing for the idea that we're systemizing to build a better business. So I'm not a big fan of that. The way I think you should be doing it is, working on the system when the issue pops up. 
So if something happens, you need a way to kind of go, okay, it's always the system's fault. Now can we go work on the system to make sure it doesn't happen again? Yeah, excellent. That's great. Uh, Thank you so much for sharing that, Dave, and for uh, the insights that you shared. Thank you for tuning into today's episode. If you loved what you heard today, share this episode with a friend, give us a five-star review, or even leave a comment. You can follow us on Instagram at HQ and find us on LinkedIn and Facebook also. Oh, and if you want more of Archibiz, make sure you download our free eight-step roadmap for finding more and better clients. You can find the link for that in the show notes. See you next time.